December 14th, 2021. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Dafmembet Amudbet. And just uh, rewinding just a bit for context, 16 lines from the top. It's two words before the end of the line. So the last word on the line is mile. So look for that word, the last word on the line. And right before that is minahane. So, minahane mile means from where are these words? And what's the sourcing or what's the scriptural evidence of sorts for a concept that we just mentioned, what the Gemara had just mentioned, there's a quote of Beraita, and the Beraita said that the Beta Sekila, the place in which a person who needed to be executed from Sekila, from stoning, he'd find that place, or we would find that place outside of not just the Betin, but the three Mahanot, in other words, in contemporary society, means outside of the gates of the city. If you're thinking Midbar life, if you're thinking uh, Yerushalayim, it means not only outside of Mahane Shechina, which is where the Mikdash is, where the Mishkan was, not only outside of the Mahane Leviyah, which is where the Leviim were encamped, or on Har Habayit, it's Har Habayit, it's the place where you would rise to the Mikdash. It's outside of even the Mahane Israel, which in Yerushalayim is a reference to the city, and outside of those gates. In the Midbar, it's outside of the place where we were settled. What's the sourcing that when it comes to Sekila, you have to not only separate from Betin, we saw that in the Mishnah, you need to separate from the three Mahanot, the Gemara cited the Beraita, the Tanur Banan, Hose et HaMekalel el Mechutz la Mahane. Pazuk in the context of Mekalel. Mekalel was a person in, in the Torah, the Described the end of Parashat Emor, who, bla- who blasphemes. He uh, cursed God. As a result, the pronouncement upon him was death by Sekila. God turns to Moshe and he says to him, Take that Mekalel, the person who cursed me, cursed my name, and uh, remove him from the Mahane, says the Beraita, that's a reference to removing him not just from the internal or second most uh, Mahane, but all the Mahanot, all three Mahanot, any place you'd find, and a member of Am Yisrael, get him out of there, says the Beraita, challenging that notion, all the Pasuk says is, in other words, the question, excuse me, so when I say to you, take him out of here. Who said I meant take him out of uh, Brooklyn or out of New York? I say take him out of here. I mean the synagogue. Now, maybe you meant uh, the zip code. Maybe it's uh, who said? How do you? When I have a statement of get him out of here, who said get him out of here? It should, I mean, to, to state it even stronger, says Nathan, it should have said chutzla mahanot. In other words, if you're going to be straightforward in the text, it should have said it in plural, unless there's some implicit hint here in the text that we're supposed to based on tradition, based on careful reading, pick up on, and that is the particular wording. In other words, the Torah will do that. Instead of saying it explicitly, it'll throw you hints that the hachamim pick up on, and say, well, if it says this word over here, and it says it elsewhere, gezerah shava, linking these two together, based on tradition, uh, more often than not, is going to render for us an interpretation over here. So again, to to put it differently, it should have said it in plural. Mahane, it sounds like one mahane. Answers the beraita, ne'emar kan mi the words those two words are used in two separate contexts firstly over here by the mekalel in the context of sekila putting to death um, based on stoning and it says it elsewhere as well it says it by parimanisrafim if you recall yesterday we talked about very briefly what parimanisrafim are it's again bulls that are burnt it's referring to two specific ones she fills in the details on this but when the Gemara refers to this in many places that's what it's referring to. It's in a circumstance of a Kohen Gadol, we call it a Kohen Mashiach, 
who sinned inadvertently, accidentally, so his sacrifice had specific laws to it. It's detailed in the Torah, and the conclusion of that process of his sacrifice in time of sinning by mistake is you take the remainder of the cow, of the bull, and you burn it outside of the mahane. Similarly, in an almost identical wording, and we'll discuss in a moment how linked they are, there's parha alim davar shel sibur. As I mentioned, the entirety of Masechet Horayot is Horayot Milashon Lehorot is referring to that. And that's when the Sanhedrin, the great Supreme Court of Judaism, of Torah, uh, rules wrongly, accidentally, and they mislead the people by mistake. Now, in such a circumstance, there's sacrificial rites and uh, necessities called Parha Alim Davar Shesibur. Masechet Horayot describes many of the details and circumstantial to, uh, the issues that arise in that context. And there, over, as well, the remainder of the bull was to be, or bulls were to be burned outside of the Mahaneh, says the Beraita. Well, that's my, I, 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 I I solved my issue. My issue was, what's my sourcing that mehutz la means outside of the three camps? Well, it uses the words mehutz la over here. It uses it over there. Clearly over there, it's talking about outside of the three camps. So to over here. Who said over there by parim Nisrafim, It's referring to outside of the three camps. Maybe over there it just means take it out of the mikdash. Maybe over there it just means outside of mahane leviyah. Who said it means outside of the entire? So, so it's fleshing out the beraita. Though before that, ma lehalan chutz shalosh mahanot. Afkan lehalan means later on over there by the parim Nisrafim, it's outside of the three camps, uh, away from Jewish civilization, Israel civilization. Afkan chutz shalosh mahanot asks the Gemara. We concluded with this question yesterday. The hatam in Sham over there by Parim Nisrafim minalan minalan. Where did we get that from? Who told you it's mechutz shalosh mahanot in the context of Parim Nisrafim? See, here's where the Beraita. This is all a continued statement of the Beraita. Gets a little bit fancy. Just a very very brief introduction. In the context of Parim HaNisrafim, which again, we're referring to Par Kohen Mashiach, the Kohen Gadol Usind, and Par HaAlem Davar Shosibur, they're mentioned in tandem in the Torah. They're mentioned in tandem in the Torah, one after the other. And in those particular circumstances, the Torah cross-references one to the other. In other words, it talks about first Par Kohen Mashiach, and then it talks afterwards, it talks about Par HaAlem Davar Shosibur, and it says on Par HaAlem Davar Shosibur, burn it, in the same way, in the same place you did with Par Kohen Mashiach. But additionally, and that's what the Beraita will pick up on, it says, and make sure that's outside of the Mahane. Wait a second. I said to you, uh, Jesse, I want you out of the synagogue. And Nathan, you too, outside of the synagogue. I mean, once you said you too, halas, that's enough. The fact that the text is almost redundant because it first draws a comparison and then says, mehutz la Mahane, is already a, a trigger for the rabbis. It's already a trigger that the Torah is not just drawing a similarity, it's clarifying with that similarity. It's taking it a step further. I told you out and I told Nathan out as well from the synagogue. I'm saying there's something that I'm adding on to the statement that I told you initially. And then there's yet a third mention in that context, and we'll discuss it in the Gemara in a second, and that's the Deshin. Deshin, you may have heard those words, Terumata Deshin. Deshin were the ashes which collected on the Mizbeach. Of course, you were burning wood in order to sacrifice uh, the, the Korbanot, and that wood would collect and become, of course, ashes. Now, there was a whole process to collecting those ashes. What did you do with those ashes? Did you just uh, throw, put them down the drain in the Mikdash? Certainly not. You took 
it out as well. And there's a reference to that as well in the very same context, which means you might already be picking up on the fact that we have three references, all mentioned in tandem, all being compared one to the other and saying, do it just like you did it with that one, do it just like you do it with that one, and so forth. And in each one of them it says, and the rabbinic understanding of this, the hachamim say, wait a second. It's the Torah three times telling me, just like the other one, and adding the words, that's a trigger. That's telling me it's outside of not only this mahane, that mahane, and that mahane as well. It's a code for us to pick up on in their understanding that we're not just talking about one mahane, because then you could have just said this one's like this one, I'm like that one. But the fact that you, in a redundant, superfluous way, just keep repeating that, is teaching me. So I did more than an introduction. I told you the rest of the bit I taught. It's teaching me, but I think it's the easiest way to understand. It's teaching me that it needs to be for each of these matters. Of course, that now brings us back to our issue of, of Sekila, and we say, well, if I have a connection between that, those and this, it's Chutz L'Shadosh Mahanot. One Mahane, outside of the Mikdash. Do it in Mahane Leviyah, do it on Harabayit. Alternatively, outside of two, and do it, uh, do it amongst the people you built, I mean, you know... I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not really sure. Where, where are the gallows in the world? You know, are they amongst the I, I imagine they're not in desolate areas. So, you know, that's the, that's the alternative. You just put it outside. I mean, you know, it's a little, your real estate in that neighborhood is probably pretty low. Maybe it's high. Maybe it was entertaining to watch this. I don't know. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Vehatam Minalan, here it is. The Tanura Banan, yet another Beraita, which is going to prove the point for us. Vehosi et kol hapar el la mahane. So there's the initial reference of Par Kohen Mashiach, the Kohen Gadol who sinned and you went through the sacrificial rites of his Korban. And what you do with the rest and remainder of the sacrifice, because you only brought just a bit of it onto the Mizbeach, they'll see it, Kol Hapar El Mechutz Lamahane, there are those words. Chutz, the initial statement in the Beraita, because it tells you where it's going right away. Chutz Shadosh Mahanot, that's a reference to outside of the three Mahanot. Wait a second, again, the Pasuk only says, outside of the Mahanot, Atal Mer Chutz Shadosh Mahanot. Perhaps it's referring to only outside of the Mikdash, the Mahane Shechina. Uh, says the Beraita, and I set you up for this. It says the words again, Mechutz Lamahane by Parha Eda. Eda, of course, is the assembly, is the congregation. That's when we're referring to Parha Alim Davashel Sibur, which means when the entirety of Am Yisrael, the majority, have gone wrong. It says those words again, She'en Tamud Lomar. This is not coming to teach you that you need to take it out of Mahane Shechina, out of Bekos Shahare. Kevarneemar Vesaraf Otok Asher Saraf Eta Parha Rishon. The Pasuk says explicitly with Parha Alim Davashel Sibur, it's when I say, Jesse, you're out and Nathan you're like him Chalas, that's it you didn't need to say again you're out of the synagogue I said you're like him so that brought us out of if you're doing the calculation with the rabbinic mind over here yeah outside of two mahanot because it says twice and they're linked in the pesukim you are like you and I'm telling you out and I'm telling you out as well that's only out of the first two. We translated that word as well already. Deshin are the ashes which are remaining. And you're taking that out of the Mahane as well. The Pasuk says that you're burning. In the context of Har Kohen Mashiach, it says you're going to burn it in the same area as the Deshin. 
Well, that means that I told you it's Jesse, you're out, and Nathan, you're out, and Ricky, you're out. Well, I told you. Excuse me. Jesse, you're out. Nathan, you're like him, out. And Ricky, you're like him as well, out. So why do I need to say in each of those contexts, this is the, this is the perspective of the Hachamim, out, telling you I'm adding on to it. Though already by stating it's just like the first, that was sufficient to know it has the same law. The fact that I'm adding the same words again, that's the derasha. I know, I know, you might say to yourself, and I wouldn't blame you, you might say, a little far-fetched, or you might say, well, I'm linking these and then I'm reading the words. First and foremost, it's the way of the hachamim in general, so we're a little bit removed from their way of dirashot. Secondly, and I remind you of this all the time, the vision of the hachamim, Professor Halivni writes about this in, in his book, Peshat and Dirash, is that uh, others, Rabbi Mazuz recently, I heard him talk about it similarly, at least the way it was written, what he talked about. The word Peshat is different than our word Peshat today, whereas Peshat in today's day and age, you talk about the difference between Midrash and Peshat. Midrash, I don't know where the rabbi's going, Peshat, What's the original interpretation of the text, which is hard to translate those words even in and of themselves. All right, but once upon a time, the word peshat is exactly as it sounds like. Lehafshit in Hebrew means to lay out. When Harambam talks about a widespread custom, he says, minhag pashut. It doesn't mean a simple custom. It means a widespread. Lehafshit means to spread something out. As a result, when the hachamim are understanding laws in the Torah, they are searching for contextual clues. They're laying everything out in front of them. So their methodology of determining Torah's messages to us goes like this. Let's look at it all together. Let's look at keywords. It's, uh, you know, there, there are, even today, there are literary uh, approaches to texts that work similarly. We usually shy away from them. We usually say, oh, Peshat is not that. This is the way of the Hachamim. So it's not as far-fetched. If you have that mindset, if you say the Torah is one, uh, one, uh, one item, I don't know the right word, it's one thing, and it's not separate and disparate laws, so now, yeah, I'm going to associate between them. I'm going to say one is teaching to the other. There's no contradiction in that. I laid it all out for you. I assumed you were going to read from beginning to end and have a familiarity with it. Anyway, that's the Dirashavir. Says the Gemara, wait a second, I have a challenge. My challenge is Vilelif, why don't you instead, or Lelaf, why don't you instead Yalif in Aramaic, for one reason or another, means to learn. Why don't you learn instead Mishehute Chutz? Shechotechut means you, you, you slaughtered, and yes, I know, don't get, Jimmy, don't get too overwhelmed. There's a lot, of, this, is not, this is not everyday Gemara. There's a lot, of term, a lot of new terms and a lot of derashot over here. It's a particular style Gemara over here. Anyway, Vilelaf, why don't we learn instead from Shechotechut? Shechotechut is referring to when a person slaughters wrongfully, so Kodashim, something that's Kodash, supposed to be slaughtered in the Mikdash, and you did it outside of the Mikdash. Now, in order to violate that Isur, which is a very serious one, uh, because, of course, that's similar to the ways of Abu Zarah, the Torah tells us. They'll slaughter anywhere they want. You slaughter only in my sanctuary. That's Shehotehut. Now, if you did so anywhere outside of the sanctuary, outside of the Mikdash, you violate it. And in that context as well, the Pasuk says, if you slaughtered, well, that being the case, you don't need a slaughter outside of all three in order to be liable. You could do it in your home. You could do it in your home as a levi, and you're still violating. You're doing it outside of the Mahane Shechina. So if that's the case, same word in the Torah. You just gave me this whole conversation about context and picking up on the words. Same word over there. And you're going to tell me this one needs to be outside of all three over there. Clearly, it means only outside of one. Lelaf says the Gemara Mishihote Why don't we learn it just this law of 
of Beta Sikila. Again, our context is how do you know that the place in which he was stoned, a person who was executed through Sikila, was outside of all three Mahanot. So we were trying to say from Pariman Israfim. Maybe not. I get Pariman Israfim, I'll accept the law over there. But maybe I should instead derive the halacha by Bet Sekila instead of from Pariman Israfim, from Shechutehut. Malahalan Chutz Lamahane Achat, the same way by Shechutehut, it's only removed in order to violate from one Mahane, meaning the Mahane Shechina, the place of the Mikdash. Afkan Chutz Lamahane Achat. So to it should apply over here by Sekila, only outside of one Mahane. That's the Gemara's question. And at this juncture, what the Gemara will do and oftentimes does is, well, now we need to revert to logic. Again, it goes like this. I've laid out for you two options. They're both cogent. They're both strong. I've laid out for you. I'm uncertain where is the Bet Sekila. Well, I know it's Mechutza Mahane. Go ahead. And I have the word in two contexts. You don't even need that. You could have just said, Zed Mahane, one, two, three, out. Because that the Mahanet to teach you, each one was just one. The Derasha goes, again, keep in mind, in that context, we were, accept, we were accepting because they were already linked, and you have Mechutza Mahanet. They just came to teach you that only one. It could, just, I hear you. I, I hear, it's not the way they went. No, no, I hear you, Nathan. Maybe it's coming to tell you specifically only out of one. Why would you have thought more than one necessarily? So, in other words, why would the Torah need to go in that direction? But it's not the way they went. So, no, do you understand? So once they didn't go that way, I have two options to call it instead tradition. I have tradition that I have in one context, parim and israfim, outside of three. However we got there. But I have the word mehutza mahane. And I have shehutehut, slaughtering, outside, only outside of one mahane. Why would I compare, and that's the question now, this law of sekila to one over the other? You're telling me, ah, oh, go with parim and israfim. Partner with them and understand it's outside of the three Mahanam. Why? Why? Maybe not. Maybe it should be Shechutehut. Says the Gemara Mistabera. We're going to use logic. Sevara, of course, means logic. Lisbor means to think. It's logical. Miparim Hanisrafim Havalan. There is for us Lemelaf to learn. We should learn this law of Sekila, where it was to be done, from Parim Hanisrafim. Why so? Code words here. Shekin. Hotze, number one, El Mihutz, Lamahane, number two, Machshir, number three, Umechaper, number four. Code words, Rashi breaks them all down for us. I'll tell them to you outside of Rashi. Number one, Hotze. The Torah uses the word Hotza'ah, or the, uh, the, the, the derivative of the word Hotza'ah. Hotza'ah means to take out in two places. By Pariman Israfim, take the cow out, and by Sekila, take the person out. It does not use that word by Shechotehot. Shechotehot is where you sinned. The Torah doesn't say, take you out and then go slaughter there. So again, in terms of perfect wording and symmetry, we have this word, Hotza'ah, take him out, take it out, in two places. We have it by Sekila, take him out of the Mahane. We have it by Parimai Serafim, take the animal out of the Mahane. By Shechotehot, the Torah never says, take the guy out. The Torah just says, if he slaughters out, Hotzeh is our first clue that we should link this up to Parimai Serafim. Number two, the words, El Mihutz La Mahane. Although it says by Although it says by uh, by Shehutehut that he did it mehutza mahane, the words el mehutza to the outside, to the outskirts of the camp, is used only by parim hanisrafim and by beta sekila. Number three, machshir. The word hechshir. I know it sounds like kosher. Uh, which I guess it's it's similar to, but hechshir in the context of misvot means something that's setting up. 
So for example, people have many times asked me, is there a mitzvah to build a sukkah? There's no mitzvah to build a sukkah. Building a sukkah is called hechsheh mitzvah. You're setting up a mitzvah. To that extent, the uh, Gemara says, got sukkat ganbach, even for non-Jews to build your sukkah. It's a kosher sukkah. I'm not talking about the sechach, what you'd have to do with it, but I'm talking about the construction of the sukkah can very often in the synagogues, it is done by not maybe in your homes, by a non-Jew. Is that okay? I thought it's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is not building the sukkah. And so the question, of course, is when I set up a mitzvah, should I make a beracha? La halacha, we never do so. If you're setting up a mitzvah, you don't make a beracha. You make a beracha when you perform the mitzvah. Uh, writing the parchment for the tefillin. Hechsheh mitzvah. Putting on the tefillin, the mitzvah. That's when you make the beracha. Machshir over here is the same type of context. It's setting up. What do you mean it's setting up? Well, by Hotza'ah, by Betzekila, taking outside, the taking outside sets up the next stage. Taking outside and then we stone the person. We're setting up a necessary component of a process. By Parim Hanisrafim, by those burnt bulls of the Kohen Gadol and Paralem Davash Sibor, we're setting it up. You take it out and then you do the mitzvah of the Torah, you burn it. By Shehutehut, there's no setup here. It's one action. It's slaughtering outside. Firstly, I didn't want you doing it. Secondly, you're not setting anything up unless you're setting up your ultimate demise. And that, you know, there's no setup. As a result, says, if we're going to compare these things, let's compare apples to apples, not apples to oranges. And lastly, says the Gemara, Mechape, we know that word, Kapara. The word Kapara is loosely translated as atonement. Why is it the word for atonement? Kofir, for example, in the Torah means to cover up. You have it as, as the tar covering for uh, the teva of, of Noah. You have it in many other countries. You have the kaporet in the Mishkan, which was the covering to the Aaron. Lechaper means to cover up. You sinned, I'm not going to leave you exposed. I'm going to cover that up. I'll give you atonement. Kapara, that notwithstanding, kapara is achievable in two circumstances out of our three over here. You achieve kapara for the assembly, for the Kohen, when you burn those cows. Number one, you achieve kapara, Rashi cites the Mishnah right, right ahead on Daf Mim Gimal Amud Bet. Immediately prior to being stoned, we turn to you and we say, can you do a vidui? Can you, can you please uh, uh, profess or uh, rather uh, enumerate and state what your sins were? Why are we doing so? That's kapara. We're achieving for you in some sense. I know it sounds a little sadistic, but we're bringing, we'll, we'll discuss it how, how I at least conceptualize it. That's kapara. So there's two places of kapara. When you slaughter outside of the machane, far from kapara, quite the opposite. You're achieving for yourself punishment over there. You're achieving a rebellion. As a result, those are the four ways, says the Gemara, that our Bet is more similar to Parim Hanisrafim. Says the Gemara, great, beautiful, I love it. You have a list and it's cute. You got the designations and so forth. Adaraba. Adaraba means quite the opposite. I'll throw it right back at you. And I'll tell you that Bet is more similar to Shehutehut in four ways. Really? How so? Well, says the Gemara, Adaraba means Shehutehut, Havala we should lemelaf. We should learn sheken adam number one, hote number two, beneshama number three, pigul number four. What are these four in our next code? Number one, adam. Well, think about the similarities. In our case of betzekilah, this action is being done to and by a human being. Our case of shehutehut, it's a human being who's slaughtering outside. In the case, alternatively, in contrast, of oh, Pariman Israfim, it's an animal. That's number one. Human to human, not human to animal. Number two, Hote. Well, Pariman Israfim, 
in that situation, we're not exacting retribution, we're not dealing with a sin per se, we're dealing with a mistake and we're looking for kapara. It's not the context of sin. Uh, we say this was as a result of sin, we're now going to do that. In the cir- circumstances, alternatively, uh, uh, similarly of, of uh, be- excuse me, one more time, beta sekila in our circumstance, and uh, shehutehut uh, are dealing with circumstances of sin, objectively. That's what we're dealing with, a guy who sinned, and uh, the circumstance, uh, alternatively, on the other end, of parimani strafim, not exactly the circumstance of sin. The, slow, the, the burning of that cow outside is different, uh, differently. Lastly, uh, thirdly, b'neshama. B'neshama refers to taking alive. Well, let's talk about what's taking place in each of these circumstances. In case number one, beta sekila, we're taking a person's life outside of the mahane. In case number two, shehutehut, you're taking someone's life, you're taking the animal's life. In the case of parim hanisrafim, where were they slaughtered? In the Mikdash, they're already dead. You're just burning them outside of the Mahane. So similarity points in the direction number three to Shehutehut. And lastly, Pigul, the most difficult, but I'll, I'll just say it as, as simply as possible. There are problems with this statement here in the Gemara, as Rashi touches on. Pigul refers to wrongful thought during time of Avodah. As you're doing the Seder HaAvodah, whatever the Korban you're dealing with, and you have wrongful thought. Generally speaking, the Halakha is wrongful thought in terms of when you're going to eat it or when you're going to sprinkle it. Blood. That's called pigul. It's an issue from the Torah. You had wrongful thought. It's a sin, and you need to be. Uh, you need atonement for it, and all that sort of stuff. Says the Gemara. Well, if we're to compare cases and, and talk about when pigul would be relevant, well, I can make the argument. Says the Gemara that pigul would be relevant in shehutehut and mechalel no relevancy. In Pari, excuse me, Rashi Pigul, Mechutza Mahanedish Hute Hutu Mekalel, Iata Mose Pigul, Aliad Oto Hutla Mahane. Says the Gemara, when you're dealing with Shehute Hut, a guy who's slaughtering outside of the Mahane, that's not part of any Seder HaAvodah. There's no relevancy of Pigul, wrongful thought of Avodah. Number two, uh, our circumstance of stoning the guy, there's no Pigul, you're not dealing with the Korban at all. Number three, in contrast, when I'm dealing with Pariman Israfim, well, technically speaking, this is the end of the process. If you have wrongful thought connected to this last, last, uh, the last step in the process, you could have an issue of Pigul. When all the dust settles, what the Gemara has just set forth for us is a standstill. Again, the Gemara says, where and how do we derive that Veta Sekila was Hut Le Shalosh Mahanot? Answer, knee jerk response, just like Pariman Israfim. Counter, well, what about Shehutehut? Answer, logically speaking, I have four ways to make it more similar to Pariman Israfim. Counter, I have four reasons to say that it's more similar to Shehutehut. Well, how are you going to end on this? Clearly, the halacha you're telling me is it's Chutz the Shalosh Mahanot. Answers the Gemara, okay, I got all my logic stuff in front of me. Which one's the most compelling? I can't prove this to you. I can tell you what the rabbis believed was the most compelling. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you how I came to a conclusion on this. Machshir mi machshir adifla. Period. Adifle, period. So as a Gemara, when I'm dealing with the circumstance, they are just qualitatively different. When you think about this as a stage, or when you think about this as the outcome. When it's shehutehut, it's not setting up a stage, it's not part of a process, it just is. Not the same thing over here. Over here by Sekila, it's a stage. It's part of the process. Take him out. 
then stone him. When you think about Pariman Israfim, do it as the last stage in your process. Take it out and, and burn it. Machshir means if I'm just going to look at the quality and describe this, it's a machshir situation, similar to a machshir situation. That's the most compelling conclusion here. So that's the first approach why, to our Gemara. Why they went so far when the Pesukim are identical? The words are identical, the are identical, the, Right, great the, question. Great question. Says Jesse, listen, if the Pesukim are more identical, as we said in the first two similarities, Jose and El Mihutla Mahane by Pariman Israfim, Khalas, why are you focusing on the third one of Machshir? The answer goes like this the Gemara in several places talks about one of the most famous Gezer Shavaz. Again, that's what we're dealing with over here, linking in the Pesukim of words similar. And the most famous one is Ubaha Kohen Veshav Hakohen, which means to say in one context, doesn't matter the specifics over here. The Torah says, Uba HaKohen, and the Kohen will come. In another place it says, Veshav HaKohen, and he'll return. And the Chachamim link the two. Oh, wait a second, that's completely different. Aside from the word HaKohen, Uba and Veshav, to come and to return, are very different verbs, very different circumstances. Hachamim says, it's got to be kind of similar in terms of our tradition of linking. It's got to be the same answer over here. It's not enough to sway us. The fact that it does use the words mechutz so circumstantially, one sounds a little bit more, I'll throw that into the mixture, but it's not enough to win it. It's got to be along those lines. As I've told you, and I've, I think I've told you the story, I was in Mir Yeshiva, I was in second, second Seder one afternoon, and I got stuck with a derasha, and I was with my chaybutam, we were going back and forth, and we were convinced, I had a great question. I was, I'm already older when I was in Mir Yeshiva, so we went to the shore to the rabbi who would answer questions. Brilliant man. And we would often talk about deep things. This is the worst question you've ever come to me. What do you mean? He said, you know what did I showed here in the Gemara? I don't know what to tell you. So he opened up to two Tosafot to say, we don't understand the Dirashot of the Hachamim, one Masechet Sukana, and another one elsewhere. He said, so what do you want? So, I mean, I, I hate to throw it back at you, but what do you want me to tell you? Dirashot of Hachamim, we have to accept, generally speaking, we make as much sense of it as we can. Ultimately speaking, it's a different mode of thought. It's not the way we analyze text any longer. We get into it as much as we can. We ask the questions, we follow their questions. Can't answer further than that. Okay, but anyways, that's the Gemara's conclusion, and, and we're going to stick to this law, but the Gemara now says, Rav Papa Amar, Rav Papa has a different approach, and the Gemara, fascinatingly, will present two different approaches to the same law. The same law that the Beta Sikila needed to be outside of the three Mahanot. Which of course will prompt a very basic question, just as fundamental as Jesse's, which the Gemara will kind of squeeze out of without really helping us all that much on, and you'll see it when we get there. One second. Beraita takes precedence. Beraita was from the time of the Mishnah, almost the turn of the uh, century, right? And dealing with the, uh, within, within uh, several years of the destruction of the Mikdash, several hundred years of destruction. Uh, Rav Papa is a lot later. I come in and I say, listen, the the founding father set forth this law in X, Y, and Z way. I said, and this is how they proved it. He said, I'm going to one-up that. I have another. Did you refute that? No. So what was was the necessity of you doing this? The Beraita is stating from a Gezerah Shavah, tradition, that this is the way we link it. They followed it through logically. You had problem with the logic? Well, if you did, you didn't voice it. So why are you coming up with another reason? It's one thing when Maurice and I are disagreeing about something. He brings his, I bring mine. All right, we're same generation. We still haven't solidified this. This has already been solidified. It's codified in the Beraita. What's Rav Papa doing? It's very uncharacteristic. If you're a Gemara guy, if you have that mindset, you understand. Emoraim don't come, A, generally speaking, to dispute Beraitot. They come to interpret them. And B, to add on to it in a way in which you don't seem to be developing it further. That's something to keep in the back of your mind. It says the Gemara Rav Papa Aman. 
Moshe, hecha havayativ. So I don't need any gezer shavaz, I don't need fan, fancy logic. And let me just ask you a basic question. Where was Moshe sitting, literally, yativ, we switch a taf with the sheen, yashav, where was Moshe sitting when God speaks to him and says to him, hey, Moshe, you gotta burn, excuse me, you have to stone that mekaleh. Where was he? It was Mahane Livia. We imagine he's at his home. Where's his home? Mahane Livia, which is already second camp. Okay. And God says to him, And God turns to him and says, Take him out of your mahane. The mahane where you're hanging out, we assume. What's that? Mahane Livia. Says the Gemara, says Rapapa, Chutz Mahane Livia. All right, we're outside of second Mahane. We're into the third Mahane. Still didn't prove it. It still might be next door to, I don't know, Datan Naviram. And I was like, I don't know exactly where it is, but I know it's outside of the second one. Rapapa, you got to help me further. Then the Pasuk says, Rapapa, Vayosiwata Mekalel and Mechutza Mahane. Then the Pasuk says, and they did so. Who did so? Not Moshe. He's not grabbing the guy. He's not stoning him. He's involved in the process. I mean, they take this guy who goes and they bring him out of the Mahane. Says Rav Papa, which Mahane are we talking about over there? Hut, the Mahane Yisrael. That's out of the Mahane Yisrael. Really. Mahane Yisrael is the third camp. Who told you it's outside of the third camp? One more time. I'm... I don't know. All right, I'm playing God for a moment. I'm sorry. Uh, so, Morris, you're in Mahane Levia. Uh, take him out of your Mahane. You're Morris Moshe. That one's easier, right? Take him out of the Mahane. All right, and then you, then you report back to me, quote unquote, and they listened. And they listened, they took him out of the Mahane that you were in. How'd you get out of the third Mahane? As much as you want to be creative in the text of it. Says the Gemara, Turaf Papa, Hai mi la'asiya. Hi, this, we need it for the execution. In other words, God speaks to Moshe and tells him, take him out of the camp. And the people do it. That's it. That's all it means. Took him out of the camp. How'd you get out? How'd you jump an extra camp over here? Uh, even the Dirashah answers the Gemara. Says the Gemara, says Rav Papa, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is, the Pasuk says explicitly that the people do as Moshe was commanded. Period. What's up? So we don't need that extra Pasuk. So this is now yet another Pasuk. So it goes like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Moshe and tells him, Who's Mahane? Your Mahane. Great. And then the Pasuk says in B'nai Israel do as HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded. Which Mahane? Mahane Levia. But then another Pasuk says, and that's the Pasuk we were just mentioning earlier, That's a little redundant at this point. You had the Sivui to Moshe, you had the execution. It's all the same Pasuk, but it's twice in the same Pasuk, that redundancy in the same Pasuk of, and they did as they were told, and they took him out, tells me, they did as they were told once, and then they took him out further from even that last Mahane. That's Rav Papa's argument. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, you're telling me that the description of what they do is all unnecessary because again the pasuk tells me and they did as they were told anything you have onward is a redundant unnecessary mention and again what were you deriving they went further they did more what about this pasuk says it means they stoned him with a rock with a stone what will you do with this pasuk? How are you interpreting this? But you told me that once the Torah tells me, and they did, Morris did, and I told Morris, and they did as I said, then no other details are necessary. Any other detail I mention in this story, you have to question what's extra. 
What's extra about those? What are you learning from these words? And if you don't have an answer to those words, it means it's not unnecessary and extra, and it means that your whole dirasha is off. Answers the Gemara very briefly. Those words are necessary for the following laws that we learned in the Beraita. The Beraita teaches, Period. There's twofold dirasha. Number one, Pasuk says, It says they, they, they uh, stoned him, Necessary word. Him. Who else did? Why does it say oto? It's telling you he, but not his garment. In other words, you needed to declothe, you needed to unrobe the person prior to, to stoning them. That's oto. Furthermore, aven. Why did you tell me with a stone? Of course, it's a kila, it's with a stone. Why the unnecessary, almost redundant mention of with a stone? To tell you that there's no misvah here to throw as many stones as you can down. You throw a stone, if the guy drops dead from one stone, chalas, you're finished. There's no necessity, there's no hidul mitzvah of throwing more. That's what you derive from this. So it means that when all the dust settles on Rav Papa, although we're going to have a follow up question of why Rav Papa needs us, Rav Papa proves the same thing as the Beraita. Beraita had to get fancy, Gezerah Shavah, determining and so forth. Rav Papa says, no, it goes like this. God told Moshe, that's Mahane Leviyah. The people did as he said so. Great, Mahane Leviyah. Then it says, and they took him out. That's Mahane Yisrael. Wait a second, you're telling me it's all redundant? What are you learning from those extra words? It's the law, it's the law number one, that when you stoned, the person was not wearing clothing, and number two, one stone was sufficient. There was no misvav bringing more and throwing more. Amen, amen.